Okay, so it's just waiting for people to join. Okay. Hi. 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 Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO Class Session. My name is Lini Raj, and I'm the host of today's session. CEO Class is a Global Four Impact Initiative, and we want to organize different virtual fire chat sessions with the greatest leaderships worldwide. We want to inspire young people about their personal goals and growth. Uh, today, we have the pleasure to invite Mr. Mark so, so to tell us about his story. If you have any questions for him, feel free to text them in the chat and we'll check them at the end of the session. So, Mr. Mark, welcome. Thank you. How are you doing Robbie. today? Good, good, good. <laughs> you know, it's a pleasure for me. I'm actually very excited to meet you actually a little bit more. I've gone through different workshops and webinars and I have followed your uh, website and what 11 Fleet actually does. And it's very important for me because you are my first Taiwanese American entrepreneur and investor who is actually active in Taiwan. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what do you do? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, first of all, thank you very much for um, having me on the sh on the cl class or show. <laughs> and then um, and then thanks for, um, you know, everyone who's in attendance. I don't know what time zone you're in, uh, but, you know, if you're obviously in Taiwan, it's 9.30 at night. So <laughs> um, you must be pretty dedicated if you're staying up um, to, to, to listen to kind of a business talk. Um, as you mentioned, I'm Taiwanese-American. Um, um, my parents were from Taiwan, uh, but I uh, grew up, um, you know, uh, largely in the States, um, born in the U.S., and then went all the way through to college, and then came back uh, quite a bit, you know, a long time ago, 1996. Wow. And uh, yeah, so so uh, going on, yeah, nearly 30 years, right? 20, 26, 27 years. Wow. Um, so obviously, uh, Taiwan was a very different place then. And I get this question a lot, too. It's like, yeah. you know, your parents immigrated from Taiwan to the U.S. and you grew up in the U.S. in, in you know, in, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Why did you come back? And um, I think, you know, what I tell uh, people is that, you know, back in 1996, the world was very, very different. Um, you know, there was no China, no India yet, right? No Brazil, you know, no, none of these kind of large markets. And uh, for me, growing up in uh, suburban, um, you know, U.S., um, you know, uh, Taiwan then was very, very exciting, right? So back then, 1996, you're kind of a student of uh, Asian history, right? Like, uh, you know, um, back then, Taiwan was known as the economic miracle. It had grown like 8% uh, a year GDP for 30 years straight. And oh, so yeah. for me... Um, and then, you know, its peers were Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, Korea, uh, mm -hmm. South Korea. And so for me, you know, as a kid growing up in the suburbs of California and then seeing the, the pace of development in Taiwan, that was very, very exciting. Right? And, and so um, so I got a first taste of Taiwan, you know, obviously visiting family during high school wow. and, and college. And I just thought, wow, it was so exciting. And then... And, and, um, so after college, I came here out here in 1996. Yeah. So wow. Wow. So it's been actually almost 26 years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you for the quick introduction. And I think it's very interesting when I see your profile, and I totally understand when you say, "Well, it started like family trips, but then it's mm -hmm. something that actually an environment that I actually like." Mm -hmm. And I think you you actually I do. Comp I will say I do understand the fact that you love the best of both worlds. You mm -hmm. love the, the you love San Francisco, you right. love the Taiwan. So you decided to just go back and forth, 
and make both places your 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 home. So it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think early on, you know, kind of like many people in their probably twenties and perhaps even thirties, you know, it's not quite clear. You don't feel hundred <laughs> percent grown up, and so I was kind of you know back and forth between the Bay Area and Taiwan. I would say probably for the first ten years. And obviously, you know, as you move on to the next stage of your life, you know, I got married, um, and then I thought, you know, you, and then you know, my business also got a little bit more traction. So then you, you kind of have to pick a place. And obviously, you know, now, you know, I, 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 you know, I'm way into middle age at this stage. You know, I have kids. You know, obviously, uh, you know, appreciating what Taiwan has to offer, right? Which is, you know, it's it's. Um, Uh, we were talking about before the show. It's very, very safe. Uh, it's a good place to, uh, convenient place to to raise kids. You know, so you know, kind of, kind of like a changing of the seasons. You know, <laughs> like I, you know, I was here when I was young, and then you know, obviously, uh, in my thirties, forties. You know. So. Yes, and I totally understand. For me, that will always be Chicago. That was my first big city to live on my own, and then mm -hmm. Taiwan is like my second one. And I'm like. Yeah. I think I'm gonna make it different. I'm gonna go a little entrepreneur. I'm gonna right. try different stuff and network. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand that little spark, that little spark. Now, for me, my entrepreneurial spark started when I was uh, I was actually eight, mm -hmm. and my neighbor she gave us some cookies and they were delicious. Mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. mom she had a pharmacist, right. uh, and she told and I told her like, Mom, I can't I, I can't bake. I can't bake. Actually, I can't cook. But uh, I told her like this is yeah, so neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> and I told her, can, can I grab some? Can I order some cookies? Can you pay for them? And I will sell them and I will make money. And she's like, because I want to buy my own Barbie set. Like I told her, I want to do it my, on my own. And then she was like, okay, I think it's nice that you, my mom, as, as a self starter, she's right. like, I think it's nice that it, you're a little young, but you want to do it on your own. You want to get your toys. And then she's like, "But where, where will you? Where, where's the marketplace? Where will you sell it and to who?" And she's like, "No, to your clients. When they go to buy meds, when they go for any questions, I'll be next to you selling them." And I think it's fun. I think back in the day, she thought it was a joke, and she uh -huh. thought it was like, "Okay, she wants to play dolls, but now she wants to do something else." Yeah. And I actually played to be entrepreneur. And as I go back, I'm like, "Oh, maybe that's how it started." And then as I go through the university. Uh, in my college years, I used to sell makeup, and my mom's like, "You never needed, like you were always like an active worker. So how come you were always like selling makeup, doing things?" And I'm like, "I just really like it. I like to connect. Yeah. I like to do the pitch. I like to do the sell pitch, and know that mm -hmm. somebody actually got the pitch and they want mm -hmm. that product, even if they don't need it." Yeah. And uh, how did it start? It how did it start for you? For me, I think you know. Very, very similar. Um, I, I think I think most entrepreneurs will find that it um, you don't know what exactly was the point, but you know it started probably in the childhood. For me, um, I guess um, I, I would say you know obviously my notion of entrepreneurship has uh, evolved you know in the, probably the last 30 years. But for <laughs> me, I remember um, you know when I was a kid, um, one was you know I came from a family of doctors, right? And uh, I, I just thought, well, you know, the expectation was to be a doctor, but I just didn't feel it in me, right? Because I, you know, I saw my dad's lifestyle was it was terrible. Um, you know, there were I remember vividly um, as a as a child that you know I would go for a whole week not seeing him, right? Because um, yes. when I went to bed, he hadn't come back from the hospital. He was a surgeon, and in the mornings. 
um, he, you know, because he had come home so late or had done an emergency surgery. And then when I went to school, um, you know, like, that, you know, I just kind of poured milk over cereal and, and went. And then, uh, so one, it was, I kind of knew that I, you know, I, I didn't like that lifestyle, even though, you know, being doctors very prestigious, whatnot. I, so I would say the first um, kind of um, inspiration was like, I wanted to find something that was not, you know, a career that was not medicine. And given that, you know, I uh, came from three generations of doctors, <laughs> um, so that there was a lot of expectations. So the, I would say, you know, the honest answer was just I, I, I knew that I, I didn't want to be a doctor, right? And this was like when I was like nine or ten. Now I, at, at that time, I already felt the pressure. But as I, as I progressed through schooling, you know, I I was never like, you know, an extrovert, right? Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, I, I think I always enjoyed problem solving. And I think I was a kid, perhaps, you know, thinking back, probably, I don't know, insecure or a little bit arrogant, right? Always, you know, kind of uh, thinking that, you know, there, there must be a, a better way to solve something, right? Mm -hmm. And then and then one of my pet peeves was like, you know, I don't know if you guys ever had a teacher whom you didn't really respect because they weren't yeah. that smart or that together. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think throughout my, you know, upbringing, like uh, teenage years, you know, middle school, high school, I hated that teacher. And I thought that I would hate um, having to <laughs> take instructions <laughs> for someone whom I thought, you know, I, I didn't, you know, think very much of intellectually, right? And so it was, it was these theory, you know, these series of kind of thought processes. And then I think what really triggered it for me was, as I was alluding to early on in the conversation, it was... You know, in a in a world where it was U.S. suburbia and you know the um, fast growth of Taiwan, and then I was coming back in high school and, and college during the summers, uh, I naturally felt the attraction uh, uh -huh. in, in Taiwan. Right, like things were moving so rapidly. Uh, it seemed like you know um, back then in Taiwan, you know, it was like. Uh, you know, like I come back and it felt like the street was full of money. Everybody was like, you know, yeah. like immersed in this prosperity, right? <laughs> uh, and, you know, my my um, relatives, you know, were all very generous. Every time we come back, it would take us off, you know, feasting. I was like, wow, you know, like much more exciting than, you know, getting, you know, drive through hamburgers <laughs> somewhere in California. And, and so, so it started as that, right? So the notion of entrepreneurship, you know, I think obviously is very different from, you know, my understanding of entrepreneurship now, but it really started with kind of this, this spark inside this, you know, kind of, you know, it's a combination of, you know, this curiosity, wanting to solve problems and also not wanting something. And then that, that led me to, to this path, right? Wow, I do think so. And I think uh, what you do on a daily basis is more than just global expansion. You're actually making companies grow from more their potential and actually scale up to a big size and capitalize on global opportunities and actually go to different places. I think your company does an incredible job, but how did it start it? Why 11 Yeah, yeah so great, great question. I mean, obviously, you know, I've been like, you know, a serial entrepreneur the last, yeah. you know, probably close to 30 years. Actually, my first company started when I was in college, right? So Lemfleet is, I, I like to think it's probably the last company that um, I'll, I'll like be in an operational role. She's your um, baby. <laughs> yeah, just because, you know, I, I think, you know, um, 
it's really a culmination of、uh, a lot of experiences. So, just like a quick recap, obviously,、uh, you know, in my twenties, I、uh, started internet companies and started、uh, education companies,、uh, and some of which are still still you know going. Right, I've, I've left the、uh, the business. And then、um, I about ten years ago,、uh, 10, 12 years ago now, I started、uh, playing that, wearing the hat of an angel investor, and I parlayed that into a couple of venture capital、mm-hmm. funds. Yes. And、um, you know, investing in others. And、um, before、yes. I did that, I thought that you know that that was my calling, you know, investing in others, right? But、yeah. I think、uh, at the end of the day, I feel that I'm still an entrepreneur at heart. And so when I was investing others, you know, there was still as an operator,、um, I think you have this frustration where you know, you, you know, you, what I learned is investing is easy, right? <laughs> you know, before I started, I didn't re- you know realize how easy investing is. It's really just writing a check and giving to someone. The hard part with investing、I'm、is spending it. <laughs> oh no, it's getting the money back, right? Like you know, getting a return on the money, right? And what you learn through the process, obviously, is that once you write that check or once you wire that money out, you have no control of when that money will come back. It may never come back, right?、Yeah. Uh, and so I think you know I, I did investing pretty much I think、uh, for you know for ten years, and I realized okay、um, for an for me as an operator at heart, an entrepreneur at heart, you know I'm not a finance guy. I realized that yeah, it's it's you know it's this helpless helplessness. You're coaching the entrepreneur, you know. But as the old saying goes, you know, you could bring a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And so, so then I really thought long and hard. And you know, Lemfly really kind of came to, together about three, four years ago. And so, if I were to start one more company. Um, kind of what you know, what what were the criteria? And without you know going to like <laughs> a deep you know,、um, it, it was really it came down to you know、um, I wanted to start a company that obviously、um, you know that I thought had an opportunity, right? And obviously、um, the other criteria is I, I think it had to have meaning because you know, I was I think around forty five at the time, and I thought that you know. Uh, it's important to do something that you know that you're willing to go to work. And, like you, you don't have to push yourself to go to work, right? And then the other is、um, I actually wanted to build a company that had no timeline, right?、Uh-huh. Like meaning I, I don't want to you know like be on any type on on anyone's you know like timeline. I want to be on my timeline. So if、yeah. you know if, if if I can't sell it, that's fine. It's a it's a keeper. So it really started with that. So I kind of. You know, by forty-five, you know, kind of know、um, what I want, I what I don't want, and so the long short of it was,、um, I saw kind of on a macro level、um, a huge kind of wage gap between Taiwan knowledge workers and what、um, you know, kind of let's say engineers were getting paid out in Silicon Valley. But I knew, having lived in Taiwan and being Taiwanese, that you know, I think、um, what Taiwan has a lot of. Is you know intellectual capital. You know the、yes. the、um, professionals here are hardworking. They're very very ethical, whatnot. And I thought that you know at that time my thinking was I wanted to bridge this wage gap between Taiwan and specifically the U.S. And the thinking, the original incarnation, the original thesis of Lemfleet was trying to convince、uh, American kind of tech or software companies. To kind of build like an R and D lab in Taiwan, and we would be the person to help 
bridge that. So that was the thinking. Um, so that 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 was you know kind of the thesis, and um, and I thought that you know Taiwan from a market's perspective, if you um, treat it as a market, it's not that big, right? It's twenty three million yes. people. Um, they're they're bigger markets. However, if you flip it around, if you see Taiwan is a supply of intellectual capital, then it's not small, right? Because like if you have twenty three million educated. Workers potentially, right? That's the state of New York in the U.S. And no one would say, you know, I wouldn't want to build like an R and D lab in in New York, right? So, so from that perspective, then I thought, well, then you know, it's it's great to be in Taiwan. And lastly,、um, having you know, obviously heritage wise, I'm Taiwanese, and I also lived here,、uh, you know, nearly thirty years. I felt that okay, it's something you know, Taiwan is a product, you know, that that. It's of high quality, and that I have a hundred percent or a hundred ten percent confidence in selling to the world. So I think you know, you've been in sales. The hardest thing is trying to sell something that you don't believe in or that product's not very good. But in this、yes. case, you know, I'm not. I don't need to. Re- I, I don't need to come up with the product. The product really isn't. You know, just Taiwan, right? So that's you just that's really, sure to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how it lovely really started, which is you know, kind of I really thought long and hard. About what I wanted to do, and I wanted to find something that would fit、um, kind of my kind of personal criteria, given you know my life stage. And of course, you know, it it, it didn't go as I planned. But then, you know, we kind of stuck to this kind of overall arching theme, and then kind of pivoted as as necessary to get to where we are today. And in this case, as a key partner, as a key、mm-hmm. strategic partner,、mm-hmm. in the person that persuades and influences、um, potential investors, what are actually the service that Eleven Feet provide? Because I know there are different type of、uh, there, there are different type of、yeah. uh, services that you provide.、Right. Yeah, I, I would say right now we kind of you know. Um, kind of arrived at three. I think as of the, you know at this point, kind of three three and a half years into the business, we have three legs, right?、Yes. The first leg is、um, actually it turned out to be visa services, right?、Um, because we felt that you know,、uh, especially because of the pandemic,、um, yes. you know, like can't no longer fly in and fly out, and so actually one one big leg is actually visa services.、Oh, um, okay. Right, and then it, it now looking back, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because if you're not Taiwanese, you have to resolve your residency issue first before、yes. you start a company, right?、Um, so, so visa services, we do, we take on a lot of visa services. The second is、uh, recruitment, right? So that's that's consistent with kind of the original idea, but、um, it wasn't a very easy sell because what we learned was early on, you know, actually I had my、um, Partner, co-founder、uh, Eunice, fly around you know the world,、um, going to like uh, tech uh, events. And what we learned was that if it's someone who has no、uh, Asia experience or if they've not been to Taiwan, they really you know cannot get what we're talking about, right? They,、yeah. You know, to be honest, someone on the other side of the world cannot distinguish Taiwan from the Philippines or from Thailand or from Vietnam, right? So then we narrow down. Our focus, we targeted、um, what I would call hyphenated Taiwanese, so Taiwanese、oh. Americans, Taiwanese Canadians, Taiwanese Australians, right? People, you know,、um, with Taiwanese heritage, even though they may not have grown up here, when you tell them about the intellectual capital in Taiwan, they get it, right? Because their parents are from here. 
And then the second group we found that、um, our message resonated was、um, actually Taiwan's regional peers,、uh, which were like Singaporean and Hong Kong companies. Because again, we didn't have to explain too much. They understood, you know, what Taiwan is good at and whatnot. So, so that was an easy sell. And then the third leg now is kind of broadly like business services. So now,、um, you know, like you know, in Silicon Valley, they call it like an outsourced CFO, COO,、uh, you know, like in Taiwan's context, country manager. So really, it's、um, kind of taking our know-how and then helping,、um, you know,、um, not necessarily just early stage companies, but just any company who's not. Quite yet ready to commit like a full headcount for like a CFO or COO role, and we can play that that role for for our clients. Oh, and I think that's really important, especially with all the time, all the risk. It's nice that actually you take the risk and、uh, you guide the you guide the company. So they focus on growing, they focus on their projects. And、right. I have seen, especially in Taiwan, I'm very surprised with Costco, Carrefour, IKEA, the way that they actually work in Taiwan. And will you say、uh, your philosophy for your companies and the way you guide them, your clients? It's think global but act a little local with a local touch. Or how? What will you suggest when you meet a client? Um, it really depends on you know, I, I guess、um, what their objectives are. So, so obviously,、uh, you know, some of our clients、um, are looking to come into Taiwan,、mm-hmm. and I think.、Um, Like I've, I've, you know, by no means this is a scientific study, but I think just kind of in general, some general, you know, observations, right? I think I feel European companies, European entrepreneurs,、mm, tend to look at Taiwan more as a market because they won't automatically say that Taiwan is a small market, right? Because like if you、yeah. think about the Netherlands or like the、uh, Scandinavian countries, population-wise, they're still small,、uh, smaller than Taiwan. So it seems like European um, companies um, will look at Taiwan as a market. So that conversation with European entrepreneurs or companies is a little bit different. Let's say for, let's say American companies. I think American companies,、um, at least the companies I've encountered, don't really look at Taiwan as a market, but rather they see it as a source of like engineering talent or just you know in- staffing, right? So the conversation would be. Very, very different depending on what your objectives are in Taiwan. But you're right. You know, there, there's a high level. You know, like, you know, obviously,、uh, you know, thinking. But you know, you, you you do need to adapt and localize, right?、Um, in terms of how you manage,、um, how you think about things and whatnot.、Right? And I think it's really important because、uh, as being Latin American、mm-hmm. and seeing how being bilingual has opened doors and how Latin America is. Potentially growing to compete with Philippines、mm. with the outsourcing world,、mm. uh, I think it's important to know that Taiwan, from that population, one percent, it's actually、uh, international. So、right. there's actually more potential because they're actually local Taiwanese, but they're actually it's a very diverse culture with、yes. more talent, more growth. So it's actually I think it's, it's a golden opportunity, and it actually opened doors to another、uh, topic. Mm-hmm. How do we manage culture, corporate culture? How do you manage culture、uh, for you in Eleven、uh, Fleet? Like, will you、yeah. call it to be a diverse culture? I mean, for me, I don't know.、Um, I mean, in Taiwan, it's、uh, difficult to be diverse because <laughs> it's such a homogenous population. But I think for 
our company, at least, I think we're we're a little bit more diverse than your average Taiwanese company, right?、Mm-hmm. But I think、um, I think the most important thing for us really is just I think philosophically we're well we're you know obviously because of my background philosophically we're very different from the average Taiwanese company. I think、yeah. um, I think we you know obviously、um, you know have a lot of trust. Right, I, I think trust is an important value, at least in our organization. Right, because again, kind of、um, alluding to my earlier story about how I kind of stumble upon entrepreneurship,、mm-hmm. not not wanting to be like you know taught or managed by someone who whom I didn't respect or whom you know I, I didn't look up to. I think、yes. at least that's always been kind of my motivation for being an entrepreneur. So likewise, I think、um, you know I try to be. You know, like、uh, a very transparent、uh, leader. You know, I,、mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask my colleagues to do things that I wouldn't,、yeah. you know, personally do myself, right?、Um, and then also, I think I try to treat、um, just a very simple philosophy. Maybe it's a Christian value that, that I was like brought up in Sunday school. <laughs>、uh, not particularly religious, but I think I've always like the stories I've always struck with me is like you know, treat others like you would treat yourself, or walk in someone else's shoes. So I've just kind of stuck to these very, very basic principles, I think, from childhood, and and I think、um, in many ways because they're so simple, it's very, very scalable, right? Because、yeah. uh, you're just adhering to to simple principles as opposed to writing down rules, you know, <laughs> like you must, you know, put your head down at 1 p.m. and take a nap, right? Which is <laughs> like a common practice in Taiwanese companies or something like that. No, and I totally understand because.、Uh... Especially when you start living in Taiwan, I've been in Taiwan for five months, and I do see small cultural difference、mm-hmm. that they actually make their deal breakers. Especially,、right. uh, I think a little bit more extrovert. I'm more wild.、Mm-hmm. I will do what I want, and then I'll、mm-hmm. ask for forgiveness. Right. Or I will actually be like, I want this, this, and I won't, I won't let you until I get it. Right. And then we do see something totally different from the、sure. cultural、uh, yeah. perspective. It it all goes by. It all goes by, and it's all about adapting. It's all about diversity. And in this case, do you have any mentors that are guiding you through the journey, even if it, it it's been a very successful thirty year journey? Well, no, I no, no. It's, you know, I, I tell people that you know,、um, you know, you guys like are, are very lucky in this age because you know with a one one tap, you know, you you can access information pretty、yes. easily online, right? Um, when I first started, you know, I was still living in the analog world, right? So it was not very easy to connect with people when I first started、uh, my entrepreneur journey.、Um, I would say that you know, I I, I can't, I, I don't have a go-to mentor, but I think、um, I have a lot of good friends or people that I trust that, in times of、uh, difficulty or in times of doubt, I could always turn to them. You know. Foremost, you know, obviously, it's my wife.、Um, you know, so she's been. You know, <laughs> they know her. They know、uh, better. <laughs> right, right.、Um, but you know, I think、um, I would say、um, I read a lot, or I'd encourage、um, you know, like aspiring entrepreneurs to read a lot, right?、Uh, you know,、um, I tell people like you know, some people like to golf. I actually like to read <laughs>、um, annual reports <laughs> or shareholder letters. You know, because I think you can learn so much. Uh, from these shareholder letters, like you know, business,、uh, what you know, business luminaries like Warren Buffett, you know, write. And if you could, you know, I mean, I have not gone through all his shareholder letters, but I've read 
uh, quite a number of them, right? And then it's on the on Berkshire's web website, and you know <laughs> you could go back, um, and it's entirely free, right? And you're reading about the thought process for you know one of the you know, probably the uh, greatest uh, investor of his of his generation, right? So yeah, yeah. So I just you know in general, I feel like there's so much if you're really passionate about business and entrepreneurship. Um, you know, really living in a time where you know that information is available, you know, with a click, right? And in this case, ah,、uh, I know you told me that you started with a undergraduate in biology, and then you went、mm -hmm. seeing the entrepreneur part. How did you match, or how did you calibrate the financial topics? Like how mean, were you, how do you actually got approached? Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs that they're like,、mm. I wish I can do this, but I don't know nothing about numbers, or I I fear、uh, a lot of accounting.、Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, first first of all, I think the number aspect of business is really easy. You know, you, I don't think it even goes up to algebra really. If you think about it, it just goes up to sixth grade math. You know, as long as you can add, <laughs> subtract, multiply, divide.、Um, I think for me,、um, the number. I think I was very fortunate.、Uh, I did take, although you know, I was a biology major and econ minor. I、uh, took a, a class、um, at Stanford、um, that was in valuation in finance. And、um, normally, normally, you know, professors, you know, like、uh, teach that. But actually, it was taught by a PhD candidate at the time. I think he later went on to, you know. To Michigan University of Michigan's faculty, and he was, you know, because he was hungry,、um, oh, he、no. gave everything、um, in his class. I mean, he taught it like no other,、um, you know, kind of more established professors. And、um, and I felt like, you know, that one class kind of really covered everything, right? I mean,、um, and and gave me a good framework、um, to think about, you know, just kind of. You know the financial aspects of a business, right? And then, of course, you know,、um, I think being an entrepreneur,、um, you know, you're largely self-taught. At least I was self-taught, you know, in accounting. And then when you, like, I remember as at, as an undergrad, you know, I I think I did take a course、uh, in industrial engineering that was, you know, maybe covered accounting a little bit. And it, you know, I didn't get it at the time. But then after you run your business, and then 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 you kind of cross-reference, you realize that. Yeah, you know, accounting is is really just a, you know, it, it should be quite intuitive, right?、Uh, but the most important thing is just managing your cash, right? Like if you look at your bank account, you know, it really just needs to stay positive unless <laughs> you have, you know, extra funds or you know, debt, right? So, so I think learning through, you know, having to to bootstrap and manage your own business, you know, was was kind of the best best lessons or best best teachers, right? You know, it's very interesting because in my case, I will say, ah,、uh, my knowledge, I I like to say it's actually from the streets.、Mm -hmm. I'm more like a street smart. Like I will、right. catch things quick.、Mm -hmm. But when I was a when I graduated from high school, it was very hard for me to say I want to be this in the future. I actually、mm -hmm. didn't know.、Mm -hmm. And I started. I remember I enrolled in psychology club.、Mm -hmm. Then I enrolled to industrial engineer.、Mm -hmm. And、yeah. then when I traveled abroad, I tried、uh, industrial design and a little bit of fashion design.、Mm -hmm. yeah. And as 2008、uh, became a little bit、uh, of an issue with、uh, the financial crisis, I come、right. back to Honduras, and then I'm like, my mom's like, hey, my my parents are like, 
we need to decide this. Like, are you going to law school or are you going to business school? Because those are the only two you need to knock out. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I actually went to marketing. Uh, I studied marketing and I realized like the problem was not the topics. The problem was actually that what I wanted to do in the future was actually to control all of the areas of the product mm-hmm. and then know how to sell it. And then right. know how to enter to new markets and create that need. Mm-hmm. and satisfy that need and it, it was actually really nice it was nice mm-hmm. that how life actually at the end will connect mm-hmm. the dots for you yeah, like yeah. you will have a plan the plan will not work it's a little bit like poker sometimes you have yeah. your cards exactly they're not perfect cards but you play right. with them and eventually yeah. you get connected and in my case i lose i'm not a good poker player but uh you get to the role you actually eventually win and for this uh, new strategy, especially on, uh, with current COVID-19 crisis, what would be the best advice that you would give to young entrepreneurs? I think, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, obviously, um, you know, in the US, right, the, the hashtag great resignation, right? And um, people, you know, have, I think I read somewhere that, you know, uh, mm-hmm small you know business formation had stagnated in the u.s or had declined but because of COVID, it actually um you know spiked right so i think you know um i think my feeling with COVID is you know it's, uh, i think the whole world has you know been impacted and i think um, on an individual level you're you know for sure um kind of re-examining what are the priorities yeah. in your life right and then i think um at least on my facebook or linkedin feed i've seen a lot of my you know, old friends from the States just kind of quit their corporate jobs, right? Because mm-hmm. I think they realize, okay, life is short yes. and maybe it's time to kind of see them, seize the moment, especially, yes. you know, because my, my friends are, you know, middle age approaching 50. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they realize, you know, you know they realize <laughs> that, you know, if you stay in, you know, like, I think the pandemic has forced a lot of, you know, I, I think most people have, have kind of used this opportunity to examine, you know, their lives to figure out what is uh, important, uh, what is not, you know. Yeah. So I, th- I think that it's, you know, that transition will create a lot of opportunities, right? Um, that's that's what we're seeing, right? I think recently our business has been very, very strong, like in terms of, it's not us pitching, it's just like inquiries, right? Because I think, um, the U.S., you know, I mean, you've been in the U.S. The U.S. is largely very U.S. centric, right? Yes. And but I think this kind of remote work, work from home, has awakened a lot of U.S. companies and entrepreneurs to say, "Hey, I don't need to hire." I mean, remote work, or you know, used to be like company in Silicon Valley, and then you have a worker in Colorado, right? I think what the p- pandemic has kind of, kind of you know, kind of inspire people to think, hey, you know, why am I just limiting myself to the work in Colorado? Wouldn't it be cheaper to have a worker in Taiwan or to in (laughs) Bali, right? And so, so yeah, so, you know, I I think, like, like I said, you know, when we first started this in 2019, sending one of my colleagues flying around knocking on doors in, in North America, you know, people weren't that interested in Taiwan. But now I think, you know, even American companies are thinking, hey, you know, we don't just need to limit ourselves within the U.S., you know, that, that the talent can come from globally, right? And I would say, I don't know how many, um, what percentage of your audience is in Taiwan, but I think, you know, imagine if um, you're in Taiwan 
you know, and um, you know, studying, and you can stay in Taiwan, and then you have the English ability, the language ability, and you can draw a U.S. type salary. It doesn't、mm-hmm. even need to be a Silicon Valley base salary. It could be just、yes. you know, just a U.S. salary, and you're living in Taiwan. It's a great, great lifestyle, right? Like if you can manage the time difference, right? Because the, you know, what you're getting paid will go a very, very long way, right? So I think you know it opens up a lot of opportunities, and I think you just have to kind of, I would encourage people to embrace it, right? Because I feel like this is going to be a multi-year trend.、Um, you know, people will, you know, I, I think we're moving to a world where if you have talent, you'll be rewarded. Um, and um, will be rewarded、um, at close to kind of the global market rate, right? But then, flip side is if you don't adapt, then then essentially it's like having no geographic mobility, right? Because then you're kind of locked into whatever the prevailing wage is in in the market that you're in. Yes, and I totally understand, especially with uh, ups, uh, uh, Upwork. I remember before, like, for me, this was something totally new.、Right. Uh, for me, it's like I go. I think I'm a millennial that's a little traditional. Like,、mm-hmm. I will definitely overthink if I want to move to another job.、Mm-hmm. Right. So when I even coming, like, even、uh, arriving to Taiwan, I'm like, okay, is this good? Is this good?、Right. But now the new generations are ready to hop in. They actually hop,、yep. hop. They actually go from entrepreneur back to work. And I think it's perfect. It's perfect that this new generation tries new、uh, things, and especially Upwork, where you can actually stay global because you can work from another company, have、right. a, a, a totally global boss, but、right. be local and see your family. So I think、right. it's definitely something、uh, different. It's a new opportunity. It's definitely a golden opportunity. Like I, it, it's opening for the future of work. Yes. And the future、yes. of work, just like technology, just like metaverse, is going fast, and we need、yes. to adapt. From a client、yeah. perspective to an、uh, employee perspective,、right. and in this case, what will you advise them if they want to be an entrepreneur in the future? What will you advise them for be a CEO? When do they upscale? I think that's the most important.、Uh, you can create a team, you can have a great idea, but when is it that you actually upscale? When do they decide? Okay, I'm going to this person to be my key strategic partner. I mean,、um, I, I think you know. Is the question like how do you become a CEO or how do you become an、yes. entrepreneur? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How do you、uh, become an entrepreneur? I think you just have to. Well, for, this is what I would say. Not everyone is suited to be an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> and no, 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 no. And, and I, 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 I、um, yeah, honestly、true. mean that, right?、Um, yes. I think you have to examine first,、um, you know, your motivations, right? Because a lot of people. You know, perhaps you know, come to me and say, "Hey, I want to be an entrepreneur because I want to make a lot of money." Right?、Yes. If that's your starting point, then my advice is, then don't be an entrepreneur, right? Because I think,、um, you know, you're you're thinking everybody is Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, you know, Bill Gates. No, know, I'm not nowhere near that. Right? Okay. So there's a lot of risk, right? So、um, I think if you want to make money, I think there's a Clear path to making money: be a lawyer, be a professional, be an executive. Right? That is a that's going to be more lucrative for most people、uh, by being a professional. So I think that you have to examine your motivations. Okay. After you come to the realization that you know、um, an entrepreneur may not make that much money, 
then you have to then you know I think this next question you have to ask yourself is do you have the temperament the emotional the, the EQ no I thought you want to say deal, discipline <laughs> temperament right, di- I don't think it's so much discipline uh, I think discipline is one aspect of it right but a lot of people think that you know um You know, they think oh, I'm very smart, so therefore I'm going to be successful as an entrepreneur. Perhaps I also thought like that, you know,、uh, when I was younger in my 20s. But having kind of gone through these, you know, 25, 30 years, I would say that the most important thing is actually soft skills, right?、Um, you have to set aside your ego,、yeah. right?、Uh, because business is not something. It's not academic smarts, right? It's not. We can't go in. You know, there's no equation. There's no, you know, concrete answer, right?、Um, what I often tell people is that you know, the market is always right, right? Like you push out a product, consumers just won't buy. You tweak the marketing, they still won't buy. <laughs> you know, you say, you know, I don't have enough mu- budget. I spend more money, and they still won't buy, right? So. Are you right, or is the consumer right? The consumer is right, right? The market just does not, you know, there's no market for your product, right? So you have to be able to, to,、um, you know, take in feedback, right? And for a lot of people who've been book smart all their lives, it's very difficult to say, hey, I, how come I cannot reason this out, right? <laughs> like, you know, so, so I would say, you know, having kind of taken this journey, twenty-five, thirty years, I would say that. One, I often, you know, honest advice is not everybody is suited for entrepreneurship because it's like a roller coaster ride, and if you cannot stomach the volatility, then you know, temperament-wise,、um, you know, then then it's not suited. Number two is like if you are into certainty, stability, you know, predictability. Again, you know, those are the wrong characteristics for you know becoming you know, a, you know entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And、uh, I think, and there's like a, it was in LinkedIn. It was just like a post, and it say like if if COVID didn't take out the hustle and the entrepreneur out of you,、uh-huh. it's just not there. Like you need to, <laughs>、yeah. you need to evaluate yourself and see what's going on. Yeah. Because I think that COVID, COVID quarantine, it did it made so much opportunities,、mm-hmm. and、uh, most sometimes we invest so much on social media, like all、mm-hmm. a, a lot of our budget. And it's all about playing by ear. I think sometimes、right. it's playing by ear. What's going on the streets? How will you fix it? How you come back?、Right. And it, it is very interesting. And in this case,、uh, I know you told me that you like to read a lot.、Uh, mm-hmm. What would be the book that's right now? Like it's your guide, the one that you would suggest, or that blog? Where will you get that inspiration right now for the mark of this generation? You know, I'm more old school. I I think if you had to read one person, I still go. I would still recommend reading Buffett. I think his logic, the way he sees business,、um, I, I think you know that that will pass the test of time. Yeah. So I, I would say go back and read、uh, as many、go、of Buffett's <laughs> it, as many of his shareholder letters, and I, I think you also see the evolution of his of his thinking, right? Um, you know, it just gets clearer and clearer and clearer, right? And I think, I mean, I'm not comparing comparing myself to Buffett. I, I think what I'm saying is, I, I think as you get more experience, I do feel that you have more clarity,、um, you know, in a lot of things, right? And I think from a business perspective, you know, sometimes I, 
um, you know, I often <laughs> kick myself in the, you know, in the behind and say, you know, why didn't I start, you know, like do this earlier, right? What, how come I didn't arrive at this understanding earlier in my career, right? So, so I think, you know, um, I think the basic business principles don't really, don't really change, right? The, the other thing is, I think it's important to distinguish what is luck and what is repeatable, right? There's a lot of aspect of business um, that is due to luck, to luck. Yeah. Right, but if you think about it, if you want to be continually successful, then what you need to find is um, a strategy or a methodology that is repeatable. Right. So someone, the you know, best analogy you mentioned poker. Right. You know, if you had incredible hands, uh, a novice poker player could be the 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 winner, or you know, blackjack, any of these table games. Right. Yes. But then if this person wins the very first time and thinks that all of a sudden, you know, it's a very, very easy game. And then, you know, just like plows all the savings and says, I want to be a professional gambler. Chances are by, by the second or third, you know, term, you know, if they don't have the skills, they'll be bankrupt, right? So there's a difference between hitting the jackpot once versus, you know, are you like, um, you know, going to be successful throughout your career, right? And, and, and so that's, you know, that, that's the, the tip. There, there's another point I want to add, um, you know, to the point about, like, how do you know whether, you know, or, how, you know, can you become an entrepreneur or what are the characteristics? I would say that, again, it's not to kind of, not to rain on prospective entrepreneurs parade, but I would say that most people probably are more well-suited to be an intrapreneur meaning that you could have entrepreneurial characteristics or you have entrepreneurial drive. But, you know, I think it's very difficult to, to be like the whole package. And so if you know that you don't fit into the corporate setting, but you don't want to tolerate the volatility of being like, you know, your own boss and, you know, like funding everything, then the other approach might be you just help you know, mm -hmm. entrepreneurs that you admire and that have the same values and you work with him or her to help, um, you know, achieve uh, bigger things or greater things. Because I feel like um, a mature or, you know, a successful entrepreneur, actually the key is understanding his or her strengths and weaknesses. And so I think a su successful entrepreneur would always, you know, always find talent, always, you know, <laughs> if they see talent, they'll know it's talent and they would want to work with someone who's kind of their, here right yes and i think I, I would totally agree with you especially because uh sometimes the key when we're lost the key is to go back to basics mm -hmm. and start seeing where we can change where we can improve and keep remodeling regenerating shape shift into what's going on right. and become that best version not mm -hmm. like what not sometimes maybe some people will copy what's outside but actually be the best version mm -hmm. and what and with improvements and it's just like a tennis player, like a soccer player. Like yeah. once they know your game, once they know how you play, they they will they will copy it, and then the, and then you're like, ah, what happened? So it's always about bringing something new to the table. So I think it it is uh, a very interesting. And from this side, if you can start again, now that you have like a clear view, a journey, mm -hmm. will you do anything different? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, because as you know, like I have two two young kids, right? 
And so I think this is the same advice, like you know, that I would give my own kids, right?、Um, I, I think、um, if I could go back in time and know what I know now, right?、Um, and obviously that's not possible.、Uh, so that's why it's, I would say <laughs> I construe it as advice for my kids. If they want to go down the entrepreneur journey, I think I would ask them to dream bigger,、yeah. right? But it's not that easy, right? Because when I started my entrepreneurial journey. Um, you know, I had a lot of constraints, which is like I, you know, my my family wasn't very supportive, so I was on my own. So I had to find a business that、um, that could also sustain me on a daily basis. Meaning that you know,、um, you know, I needed to pay for rent and you know food, right? <laughs> so obviously, in that situation, it's very difficult to think big. Because you're like you know you have to manage for the short run first、yeah. before you could get to the long run. I'm hoping that for my you know my kids or if you're in a position where you can think bigger, <laughs> then then go for it, right? Because you know if my my kids were to go down this entrepreneurial path, I would say, hey, you know the basics, I got you. Think big. If not, if you're just doing it for the money, I'd say go go find a job. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's my 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 honest <laughs> advice, right? If you're doing it for the money. Go find a job because I think a job it's going to be it's it's going to be a, a sure payoff. If you want to go,、um, you know, truly build something, then then if you know, then 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 think big, right? Because especially you know as you you know mature and get older, you'll realize. I mean, when you're young, you know, I've been there when I was a you know starving college kid or <laughs> new you know grad. But as you get older, you clear you know. You, Without a doubt, you know the 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 constraint is time, right? Because we only have a finite time,、um, you know, on Earth, right? And and also, as you uh, mature, uh, you know, through your life stages, you know, you want to do other things. It's it's not going to be all just work, right? So. Yeah. No. And it's really nice. Like at the end, before we go to the questions and answers,、mm-hmm. I want to do the hardest question ever. Mm-hmm. So you thank you for being on the on the fire chat, but、mm-hmm. from your entrepreneur circle, who will you recommend to be our next guest? Who is that entrepreneur that you say you gotta know about him? Is doing this incredible thing? It's hot. Leaving you need、okay. you need to take him. <laughs> yeah, without a question, it would be Alex Liu, CEO of MyCoin.、Um, you know, I was、um, yeah, I was fortunate to be an early investor in MyCoin, and for those of you. Who perhaps have not heard of MyCoin? MyCoin is the biggest、um, uh, crypto exchange. But you know, Alex is just this、um, you know、uh, entrepreneur that、uh, I respect tremendously. I think in the twelve fifteen years I've been investing, I feel at least personally he's the most put together, the, the you know the、um, the best entrepreneur I've met. Right, so I highly encourage. Um, you know, you guys to, to to try to seek him out to to maybe speak on the program. Ah,、yeah, um. oh, that's perfect. And in the meantime, we're、mm-hmm. prepping for questions and answers. Tell me, are you hiring? Am I hiring? I'm, yes, I'm always looking for talent. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm open to meet、um, you know talented、uh, individuals. So、um, even if I don't.、Um, Have an immediate opening. I, I, you know, I like to find ways to to work, with, you know, with talented individuals.、Yeah. That's perfect. And now we have some a question by Robert, and、mm-hmm. Robert says, "For Pinehurst Advisors current portfolio,、mm-hmm. how are you planning the exit for the companies? Is an IPO feasible in Taiwan? How do you deal with Taiwan's small capital market?" 
Yeah, um, great question. I mean, I think um, I think um, for most of our companies, we have two companies that I think um, potentially could could exit. Um, obviously, I mentioned one, MyCoin, um, that is you know probably our our big hit, and the other is a uh, probably not not too well known to 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 the uh, general audience, but it's uh, called Kakafly. It's、oh. a company that、um, you know. Really, it's a it's a reseller of、um, you know, kind of、mm-hmm. Facebook ads now, line ads, whatnot.、Um, it's that、uh, it, there's been talks that you might look at a Taiwan IPO. So、um, I think I think it was it Robert. I mean, I think his questions on the spot. You know, Taiwan's.、Uh, I, I wouldn't say that Taiwan's、uh, capital market is small. Uh, because if you look at the from a market cap perspective, it is actually you know probably、uh, excluding China and Japan, second only to Hong Kong in Asia. However,、um, I think it's heavily heavily weighted to semiconductors and tech. So if、yeah. you're not in that space, then it's very difficult to get a good valuation or to get、uh, institutional investor attention, right? So, so I think from a market cap perspective, it is actually not small,、uh, but it is just very, very like one one dimensional, right? And so、um, it's it's not a great market if you're not doing、um, what Taiwan is good at, which is you know、uh, semi semis, you know, material manufacturing components, whatnot. And now、uh, from Sam, Mr. Mark. Great personal story. I'm 34 and living a six-figure paycheck. In a few months' time, I'm starting my own product design startup with a partner back in Malaysia. With 10k bootstrap, if you didn't know what to venture into, what will you do? I think、um, I would still, you know, I think you need to start with a thesis. Like I said, you know,、um, you know, you, obviously you're doing very well. You know, if you're only 100k paycheck, and so. If the thinking is like to replace that、uh, paycheck like overnight, to be honest, I think the odds are, you know, long, right? It's not. It's, like、mm-hmm. I said, it's, it's not easy. So I think then it's very important to figure out then why is it that you are leaving, let's say, corporate or something very very stable, and what you feel is your calling, right? Because what I've learned is, you know, I've taken over. Kind of smaller businesses, you know, inherited them from like you know founders I've backed, and I realized that if you're not even interested in the business, right, it's very hard to drive it forward. So I think,、um, like I said, you know, entrepreneurship—it's really、um, as cliche as it might sound. It's really not about the money because I think there are better ways、uh, to make money.、Um, so I think it's—I would say first step is really to. To look it within you and to figure out, okay, what what's this motivation, right?、Um, to to leave corporate and, and to want to venture out,、um, and then and then and then the second is, of course, whatever your you know initial kind of hypothesis or thesis,、um, be prepared to 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 tweak it, pivot, right? Because that's natural, right? So so I think、um, again from an academic setting, we're conditioned to think, you know. We have to find the right answer, but I feel like on this journey, you can never find the right answer. What you can do at best is just eliminate, you know, non-workable possibilities. Yeah. So I think you have to be prepared、yeah. for that. Yeah. And in this case,、uh, San has a, a question. 
and he wants to reference the book Company of One, why staying small is the next big thing for business. Mm -hmm. But his question is, how do you think about a three-year hustle of a six-day work versus slow and steady startup growth? Mm. I um, I would, you know, for me, philosophically, I'm more about the slow, steady startup growth. And, and in fact, I actually had a conversation earlier this morning with a old friend that I hadn't spoken to in a long time. And he, you know, um, was also asking me about, you know, how he wants to make the transition from corporate. It really depends on the, the type of company uh, that you want to start. I feel that, you know, a lot of times, you know, the VCs, the typical VC or the Silicon Valley thinking is like, you need to throw a lot of money at it, right? But my feeling is that it really depends on the problem that you're solving uh, and the company, you know, the product or service you're offering. Sometimes, you know, what you really need is just time, right? Um, and um, I, I was using this as an analogy. Like when I started in 2019, I had one colleague uh, go fly around to, to the US, to Hong Kong, to Singapore to attend these startup events. And I'm thinking, you know, as a, if I was wearing the VC hat or the typical VC, if I had VC money, they would say, why don't you hire two or three, four more people and fly Europe, you know, fly everywhere, right? Uh, now looking back, you know, because Lemfleet, we now have, you know, some traction. I would say that, you know, had I spent so much money uh, initially, or had I had other people's money, um, I think I would just burn quicker and I might have not lasted till now, right? And what I've realized now is like this business just requires time. And then um, I had back in 2018 when I first thought of this business, I had no idea. I mean, I don't think anyone had an idea that COVID yeah. would hit. And for a while, I thought COVID would destroy the business. But now, actually, I think we're benefiting from COVID because of this change in mindset that this talent can be anywhere in the world. So again, you know, like I said, not everything, actually most things, you know, cannot be planned out. Uh, but I would say that the key is having that staying power, right? And so by a slow burn, um, you know, you're just, you know, if you're, for me, you know, like I, I have a belief that, you know, what I'm doing will work. So what I needed was really just time. So again, uh, there, there's no easy answer. I think it really depends on what you're going for. Flip side is obviously if you're going for a consumer trend, consumer fab, then you need to move very, very quickly, right? So, so it really depends on what your, what your, you know, what you think your strengths are and what what idea you're going after. No, yeah, actually, thank you, thank you for your time. It's been a great uh, conversation. I tell you before, like, no, it's just like friends and everything, and it really has been a pleasure. I feel like I already made more, <laughs> and I think uh, what you do, what you do on a daily basis. I know, like, if you go back, you will say thirty years, but I really want to tell you, it really inspires. It really inspires. It get us a little bit into a venture capital ambient. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we really want to like invest. We want to get everything or, or business plans because sometimes people have an incredible business plan, but we just got that fear to show it, to pitch yeah. it. So thank you for being that key strategic partner and making dreams come true and actually growing those dreams and go to places that most business owners have never ever imagined. Well, no, thank, thank you for having me and thank you for, for the people listening in. Um, uh, you know, I enjoyed the conversation very much, yeah. Well, thank you for everybody and have a great night. It's been a pleasure being with you. Bye. <laughs> Bye.